Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by the the punk rock poindexter, Darwin Finch. How are we doing today, sir? I'm doing all right, man. Between my, uh, my moniker and your name, that's a lot of alliteration. So good, good for you on that. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of peas today, and that's totally fine. <laughs> there's only thing one thing safer than an indie handshake, and that's a Zoom indie handshake where it's double as soft. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we always like to start the podcast with a little bit of background information. What got you into wrestling? And more importantly, for me anyway, how did you find out about indie wrestling? Okay. Um, so I've, uh, I've been into wrestling since uh, I was a tiny, tiny little nerd. Uh, I had woken up in the middle of the night and I think my, my dad was watching TV uh, and had fallen asleep on the couch. And, uh, I, I walked out there and, and I saw it, um, uh, back in the, the WWF crime time days to kind of date myself. Um, and I just kind of remember, uh, you know, seeing that section of videotapes in, in the, in the, uh, local rental store. Um, and, uh, just remembering seeing the, the, those characters, those big colorful characters that night. And I just kind of got hooked on it, started renting tapes and the rest is all boring. Uh, <laughs> but uh, indie wrestling, um, sometime in the early 2000s, I had kind of drifted away from mainstream, watching mainstream wrestling. Um, I didn't really like what wwe was doing at the time uh wcw had folded ecw was long gone um so i had uh but i'd still loved wrestling so i had started uh um downloading some um or not downloading but getting some uh videos off of ebay um from uh japan uh where i because i had remembered um growing up i liked uh, guys like Jushin Liger that worked in WCW um, and uh, Great Muda, stuff like that. So I, I went searching for for um, Japanese DVDs. Um, and through that, I actually became friends with the guy who was selling me the DVDs on eBay just through email. Um, and he started just uh, sending me some bonus stuff. It's like, hey, check this out. Sending me some IWA Mid-South, some czw um you know some other promotions from japan that i probably wouldn't have uh found so quickly on my own at that time um and so from that i had started developing a a library um of dvds and then uh you know when i finally decided i'm gonna go for it myself you know i was already pretty familiar with with the independent scene yeah, I love especially the CZW stuff. Uh, I talked about it a little bit with a previous guest on here, uh, Taro, but we were talking about uh, the best of the best tournaments. How? Oh, yes. Just amazing. I, yeah, I remember watching those and thinking like, oh, this is what wrestling could be. You could have insane spots and whatever you want and then have some amazing technical stuff. And then the very next match, you know, you have Supreme in a, in a, in a death match or something. And you're like, what? Yeah. This, this, this all could be on the same show? You know, <laughs> and especially yeah, like you exactly. said, there, there was a moment in the early 2000s, like you said, after everything folded, you know, we went from being spoiled for riches. We had, you know, I don't know how much, seven hours of wrestling on television, mm-hmm. with ECW, WCW and WWF at the time. 
And yes. we went from that to WWE and their kind of similar entertainment. Everyone kind of had yeah. a similar look, similar matches. Everything just kind of looked the same. And wrestling, mm-hmm. indie wrestling especially, is where we find the variety, the fun stuff. Absolutely. So now that you uh, want to get started in wrestling, uh, how did you decide where to train and who did you train with? So, um, well, I originally came from a small town in New Hampshire, um, and uh, there wasn't much indie wrestling or anything there. Um, The closest place where I could go to even see a show was in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, about two and a half hour drive. Um, And there was a school near there. It was the uh, New England Pro Wrestling Academy. It's still there to this day. Um, It's run by uh, Brian Fury um, and uh, uh, Todd Hansen was one of the main trainers when I was there. He's now one of the uh, the War Raider guys, the, the Viking experience. I don't know what their name is now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so I got a little bit of kind of basic training there before I moved out here um, to uh, Southern California, and that I found uh, Santino Brothers. Um, I was already a, uh, a big Kid Chaos fan from my, um, you know, co- collecting days of DVDs. Super underrated. Super, super underrated. And I had also noticed uh, guys there on the videotapes from um, other independent DVDs I was collecting, you know, Willie Mack and Ray Rosa. So it just seemed like a, a no-brainer to to jump on that school. It was close to where I lived. Um and yeah, they took me in. They kind of uh, threw me to the wolves a little bit. They knew I had a little bit of training. Um, so I didn't, I got to kind of bypass the beginners program, but uh, man, they, <laughs> so they threw me in with uh, folks that uh, were anywhere from intermediate to advanced. There was kind of a, a weird collection of guys at that time. Um, and we all just kind of, we all just trained together and i know it was i've really had to learn things quickly (laughs) and uh and develop to that when you're training wrestling uh you know you had stuff you've been watching in the indies that you liked styles that you liked watching um Mm. what kind of style did you go into wanting to do and then did your style change and evolve at all once you actually started doing it absolutely um so i always liked the more uh technical aspects of wrestling but for some reason when i started i really wanted to be like a like a a, a mean striker uh type of type of a guy i i really liked guys like um like sammy callahan and eric cannon and um you know b-boy uh so i wanted to kind of develop that sort of a style that kind of like smash mouth style um what I found was that uh, at that time where I was in my training, that didn't really resonate well. I didn't do it very well. Um, once I started kind of being a little bit goofier, being a little bit more relaxed and, and focusing more on technical wrestling uh, was when I, I found that, that that suited me better. Um, coming up and then everything else uh that i've been doing up up until now is kind of you know this ice cream is just leveling up um and adding those other elements 
but I would say, yeah, definitely a, a technical base is where I found myself more comfortable. And you've been, uh, I've, I'm watching some of your, some of your highlights, some of your matches and you've been, you've been mixing some high flying stuff in there as well. Uh, did you get that from the Lucha influence that you can get at Santino brothers? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, they do kind of teach a, what they call an Americanized Lucha uh, at that school between um, Chaos and uh, Robbie Phoenix. Um, but then uh, when they started letting you go to Los uh, Luchas training, once I got to do that class, it uh, definitely added more um, Lucha Libre-inspired moves uh, to my repertoire, as well as um, better spacing, conditioning. Um, and I, I think that that's really uh, an advantage I've had going into Santino Brothers is the different trainers and what they all can bring out of you. I wanted to go in a, l- a little bit, uh, you know, the training part's obviously hard hitting. You know, it's uh, wrestling's physical, wrestling, you know, it hurts. But also there's a little mm-hmm. bit of awkwardness when it comes to the uh, more of the social aspect of it. So how did you find as far as, you know, the locker room etiquette, all that kind of stuff? I mean... That's something that they instill on you at Santino's, both the um, alumni, uh, you know, that you always shake everyone's hands, that you're respectful, um, that sort of thing. They don't tolerate a lot of, a lot of guff there. Um, so you kind of just take that general etiquette with you to other locker rooms. And, you know, as, as things go by, you develop relationships with people, you kind of know, you know, who you can rib at and who to, you know, just kind of say, hey, and move along. But uh, yeah, a lot of that, I think, just comes with experience. But we, we've uh, they, they've also uh, definitely instilled that on us right from the beginning. And how about building your gimmick, building your character, doing that kind of stuff? Uh, how did that come about? How did the, the punk rock poindexter come about? Sure. Uh, so like I had said when I was training uh the care I, I wanted to do kind of a more um like mean gutter punk character i realize now that that didn't really work because it wasn't really who i was um when i started i w- uh was kind of um i was kind of fooling around uh there was this other guy there um named Chaz who was doing a nerd gimmick as well um, and I was kind of just messing around with him doing my own thing. Uh, and, uh, the trainers saw it and they were like, that's great. You guys are great together. Do you need to keep doing that? At first I wasn't too on board with it, but, um, as time went on, I found that I wrestled a lot better when I was just kind of having fun doing this sort of thing. Um, I later added on the, the punk rock aspect of it because I got to a point where I felt like I was doing more of a caricature than a character. You know, I was just doing a a quote unquote nerd Mm. and it made me think back to my own, um, upbringing where, uh, you know, I was, as soon as I uh, got glasses in school, I was automatically labeled a nerd. And like, I, I hated all the portrayals of nerds on TV uh, with the, the tape on the glasses and the, you know, 
the stereotypical suspenders and all that stuff. Um, and I had found that um, what helped me get through um, being bullied growing up was when I, um, I had connected with, with punk rock music and just that punk rock attitude of uh, I'm just going to be who I am and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And if someone's going to try to hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. So I decided to take that aspect from my real life and apply it um, to my wrestling persona of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a, a jovial, fun, kind of goofy guy, but if, if you don't like me and you want to pick on me, it's unfortunately the only uh, language that bullies really understand. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a, we have a little bit of a kinship in the punk rock regard. I, I, when I was younger, I used to love going to, a. There used to be clubs like called the Cactus Club in San Jose that like is closed down now. You know how it happens. All those grungy like <clears throat> rock clubs just end up going away. But I would go see shows with like Good Riddance and Swingin' Utters and like bands like that that I just loved. And I like that on your highlight reel, you have a. I like that on your highlight reel that you have Catch Twenty Two because they're a great band. Uh, so yeah. Yes. Uh, I noticed also on your on your wrestling that you've done some intergender matches. Uh, I've when I talked to Ruby Rays on here, we had a little discussion about intergender wrestling and how you go about, you know, building those kind of matches psychology wise. Uh, I'd like to hear from you know the male perspective on doing an intergender match and how you build a match against a woman. Um, well, I've always uh, been pro intergender wrestling. You know, being the nerd that I am, I grew up on comic books and you know playing street fighter and and whatnot and i just i always like the idea of all these different types of characters from from different places you know of different genders you just you know battling it out um i always looked at wrestling as as kind of like a superhero kind of larger than life sort of form of um performance art so um to me i just try to have a good wrestling match you know a good a good wrestling match is a good wrestling match but that being said you still have to understand um the audience and that at uh get the audience to understand what you do and that sometimes does involve with the match um to have a female be a heel that's not always easy and uh especially if it's a bigger man versus a smaller woman uh you know the woman's considered the underdog and you know girls like to see other girls kicking butt i don't blame them and and dudes like to see girls kicking butt i'd like to say that um i've i, I was the face and the female was a heel and um even though there were still some that would root for the female anyways. I did have a lot of the crowd on my side and that takes some planning as far as getting sympathy. Uh, Woman's got to be really, really mean. Um, When you got someone like Ruby Ray's that, that can, that can be pretty easy. Yes. Yes. Ruby is easy in that case uh, because she's just a big mean monster. I'd like to say that I've had that sort of dynamic with, uh, with Heather Monroe as well. Um, she really knows how to play it up and get under people's skin uh, so, so that people will root against her in an intergender match. 
Well, yeah, especially when you're working with two women as talented as Heather Monroe and Ruby Rays, it's like, you know, they make it, they make, they help make your job easy too. Cause they're just mm-hmm. such great workers. Yeah, absolutely. One thing sometimes I like to cover on here is, is what kind of goals we have. I mean, obviously every wrestler's goal is, is going to be something similar to like, you know, one day I want to headline WrestleMania. One day I want to do this one day. I wanna... But like, I'm more thinking like short term, like, do you want to wrestle like in Japan and Mexico? Uh, what, what do you want to do? Like on the indie scene? Sure. Um, I mean, I want to wrestle everywhere. Uh, Japan, Mexico, Canada, uh, the UK. Um, you know, I, it sounds cliche to say, but I really want to have just as many good matches with as many good opponents as possible. Um, I would also like to say that, uh, I've been, um, a, a big supporter of my home promotion, uh, of wrestling pro wrestling. Um, I'd like to continue to get more eyes on, on that product and, uh, you know, help that just become a more, uh, popular place of entertainment. Cause I even, I know I just really enjoy the show itself, even, uh, if I wasn't a part of it. So yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about wrestling pro wrestling. Sure. Uh, so wrestling pro wrestling, uh, is a little promotion in, uh, right now we run shows out of Burbank. Well, we, we did run shows out of Burbank, California. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, run by uh, WWE superstar, Brian Kendrick. Um, and it's, uh, partially owned by, by him and, and uh, two other gentlemen. Uh, and, um, it's, uh, a little different over the top, I guess you'd say, I would say it's a, a mix of, um, great wrestling. Uh, you know, you'll see folks like, uh, like Watts, Dark Sheik, Eli Everfly. Um, Bateman used to be a big part of the show. Uh, Peter Avalon used to be a big part of the show. Um, and then you'll see, uh, characters you won't see anywhere else like uh chow main charlie who's an anthropomorphic box of chinese food um you'll see uh king giraffe adora which is the three-headed giraffe uh the formage horseman which is basically the four horsemen but their heads are cheese okay um so it's uh yeah it's a little bit of of goofy with a, a little bit of great wrestling all all jammed together in one show Sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like uh, something that I love close to here, which is something you've also been a part of uh, for a show or two. Uh, a little thing called Hood Slam, that I yes, that I'm a, that I'm a big fan of. Uh, what was your experience like working at Hood Slam? I have had a uh, Boone Ashlock, uh, Sour Boone, on the show recently. Uh, nice. Yeah, I'm trying to get Dark Sheik on, uh, so hopefully that happens soon. Um, oh, Dark Sheik. Yeah. So how was <laughs> how was your experience with Hood Slam? How'd you like that? Oh, I absolutely adore Hood Slam. Um, that's something that as soon as I found out about what it was when I was a trainee, it's something I had always wanted to uh, jump on and be a part of. Because like you said, it's it's very similar to um, wrestling pro wrestling. I'd say they're definitely a little bit uh, different in, in maybe tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I really love going up there. Uh, it was starting to become a, a consistent thing for me uh, right when this all happened. Uh, I had only worked two shows, but I was set to come back for a third. And then, yeah, this canceled everything. So hopefully uh, that's still in the works when when things come back. 
Um, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll find out, but yeah, I, the crowd's great. The, the workers are great. It's just, it's always a good, good time. Yeah. We got to get, you know, as a, especially as a big geek, you know, you got to get up there for when they do like the video game theme shows or like the comic book theme shows, any of that stuff, you right? Know, getting to wrestle as a character you love in a comic book is like, is there anything really better oh, than yeah. that? I was supposed to be on the, uh, the X-Men show that they were going to do. Um, that's too bad. I wasn't there for that. I also want, I have, uh, pitched that I want to, I want to wrestle as Colin Robinson from what we do in the shadows. Cause I really just want to talk my opponents to death. That would be a <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. So uh, when you're, when you're, um, working with guys like, you know, chaos who works, who worked in, you know, a lot of promotions, especially, you know, towards the tail end of the, the wrestling boom that, you know, uh, you know, talking to XPW mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then you're working with, you know, guys like Brian Kendrick, who, you know, he's had a career everywhere. Um, what kind of advice, yeah. what kind of, you know, words of wisdom are you getting from guys like this as opposed, you know, when it comes to your career? Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's different with, uh, with everyone. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have, uh, folks like, like chaos and Brian, um, in my ear. Um, you know, uh, chaos is a very motivating guy. Um, but he'll also get after you for the things that, uh, you know, you need to work on whether, uh, it's, you know, lifting more weights or maybe stretching more, or you need to be, uh, advertising more or, uh, you know, putting out more content, um, stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's a, definitely a fatherly figure to it, to a lot of us. So, Hey, come on, get out there, dude, do it. You know, you need to be, be working. He always wants everyone to work harder and, and bless him for that. Cause he definitely motivates us all. Um, and then, uh, you know, Brian is a little bit more laid back. Um, but he's always willing to, to answer questions. He's given me a lot of critiques on, on matches and, um, you know, just, just gen, even just general little, little twists that I can put on little spins I can put on things. Um, you know, he, he really anal- analyzes the little things. I don't think that Brian gets enough credit for how nuanced he is when it comes to professional wrestling. He's always thinking about why, why you're doing this, what you should be going for, for the next thing, even though, you know, you know, something's going to be countered, um, you know, and just, just little details about, about wrestling that I've, I've really, um, absorbed and appreciated. Yeah. I feel like he, especially him and Paul London, they're kind of, you know, you always group them together, obviously for many reasons. Uh, but yes, I I feel like they're kind of like, if they were born, like, seven years later or like eight years later like the the amount of like you know with especially with like nxt how much more they have the kind of style that brian kendrick's been doing for years uh you know on their tv you have aew same thing uh there's a lot of guys Mm -hmm. who i loved on the indie scene you know in the mid 2000s guys like brian kendrick and many others that you know if they had been in their in their 20s now like how big could they be (laughs) on television you know it's really crazy when you think about it it is true. It is true. Uh, yeah, that time period was really overlooked because, yeah, unless you were really looking for 
outside sources of, of wrestling other than what's been shown on TV. You didn't see that style at all. And now, yeah, you're right. It's all over the, it's all over the television and uh, you know, Brian's probably not doing all the things that he used to do now, understandably. Um, and probably doesn't get, get the credit for that. Like a lot of those guys from that time period don't. Yeah. We talked so, yeah, a lot. That's a, that's we talked a lot about uh, when I, I, you know, I had this discussion with Michael Modest and he was like, like, I feel like all the stuff we were doing with all pro wrestling and pro wrestling iron, you know, back in the early 2000s mm-hmm. was stuff that like nowadays people would eat up because the indie crowd loves that kind of stuff. But you know, yeah. different times. It's the way it is. Yeah. You know, my little, my little nerdy self was watching them on the uh, pro wrestling Noah DVDs, but <laughs> yep. that doesn't exactly, uh, you know, uh, the, the few of us that were searching for stuff out there at that time, you know, that, that doesn't help pay the bills. I understand that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no, it was paying them pretty good luckily for them so that was good for them at the time (laughs) but uh then you know ring of honor came in and you know the indie boom started to happen and then you know everyone gets more work which is great because there's tons more promotions now everything's better uh not right now obviously because of the pandemic but you know normally (laughs) normally there's a lot of places to work and how how uh how do you find that in uh socal because back in the day and I'm sure you remember this from hearing about indies, you know, when promotions were near each other, you kind of didn't associate too much with each other. You know, over here we had like big time wrestling and all pro wrestling and pro wrestling iron. And if you wrestle for one, you didn't necessarily wrestle for the other uh, without causing some kind of a stir. Uh, but it's a lot different than that in the indies now, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't really deal with that very much. There was a couple of times in my first couple of years or whatever, where like somebody one one promotion had problems with the other so oh uh, you, you know you can work here but don't don't wear wear the shirt from over there or some ridiculous like that or you know we'll let you work here but we're gonna completely bury you and you know that's really silly and petty when especially at this level like we all need to be just kind of pushing each other uh, yeah, rising tides so that and all we that. We can all reach the top together rather than just dragging a, each other down into the muck. So uh, I'm definitely glad that those days seem to be pretty much behind us. I haven't really experienced that in the last couple of years. You know, unless you're running, you know, across the street from each other on the same day, really, it's all you're doing is promoting the other promotion, which most of the time you're going to end up working for, meaning everyone's going to make more money. And it really isn't that. Isn't that what's important here? Like everyone gets work, everyone, you know, it's. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about different promotions, working different places. You mentioned coming all the way up to Northern California. Any interesting like moments when you're traveling on the road as far as uh, doing wrestling, any road stories, anything fun like that? Yeah. When I worked for uh, a couple of years ago, I worked for a promotion on the East coast called uh, wrestlers lab. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run out of uh, New Jersey. Um, and I came, I came to the show and they were, they were, they were great dudes. Um, they took care of me nicely and, uh, the show was a lot of fun. Uh, no problems with that. The issue was, is that the, prom- the promoter was going was bringing me back to the airport, um, 
after the show. And it seemed like we had plenty of time, but of course, uh, accidents, road construction, pretty much everything that you could imagine. And especially New York traffic is horrible anyways. Um, we ended up, uh, late and, uh, I had missed my flight. Um, so luckily the, the, uh, airport, um, gave, gave me, uh, uh, another flight home, but it wasn't going to be until the next morning. Um, so I pretty much just spent the entire night by myself, um, at the JFK airport. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I told the, uh, I went to the bar and I told the bartender, uh, what, what was going on. Cause I was like the only person there we were chatting and, uh, she gave me, um, like six little tiny bottles of wine. So <laughs> I was, I was walking around the, the airport board, just throwing back little tiny bottles of Ziffindel or whatever. Like a gentleman. <laughs> like a gentleman. Like a gentleman. Uh, they had they had one all night um uh diner there and I I fell asleep in like a, a, a pile of like uh uh huevos rancheros. So Uh, oh. and luckily my, my phone went off. Uh, it was someone messaging me, but it went off an hour before I was supposed to get on my flight. So <laughs> I was able to clean myself up and make it home. Finally. <laughs> there was a time here when, uh, when I used to work for a promotion over here called big time wrestling and we brought in, uh, Brock Lesnar to do an autograph signing. And, uh, I, I went with the, the promoter to go pick him up at the airport. And on the way back, there was some traffic. And uh, it was just funny because Brock's response to, like, we were like, oh, he, the promoter was like, oh, sorry about the traffic. And Brock's response was just, huh, that's all he said. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's kind of a weird guy. He's kind of a weird guy. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a quiet man. Uh, yeah. Very, very strange. And uh, what about as far as, you know, getting around, you know, L.A. area? I always joke, I'm more familiar with L.A. because I, I travel back and forth a lot. So I'm used to the L.A. traffic. But the people I know that live in L.A., they love when, when folks show up and they're like, hey, I'm in L.A., general statement. Do you want to hang out? And they're like, well, where? Because that could be 10 minutes away from me <laughs> and that could be an hour and a half away from me. <laughs> What are you talking about? How about as far as like, have you ever like double booked yourself in a day in LA and you had to like get back and forth between different places or anything like that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, I did one. Um, there was one time early in my uh, career where I did a uh, Santino brothers used to book us a lot for birthday parties and we, we, so they'd set up the ring at somebody's, backyard or whatever and and we we do a little show there um so i went from that in my gear uh i think that was in uh east la and i drove over to, to orange county um to wrestle a main event uh over there um luckily we had made it in time and it, it was no problem but there's definitely been um i, I would say i'm lucky to to not really double book uh, 
that often. I think that was probably the only, the only time. So fingers crossed that doesn't, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> and what's it like to wrestle at a birthday party? It's kind well, I've wrestled at a few and it really depends on the kids. I would say, uh, <laughs> I've wrestled at, um, at really fun ones where the, where the kids just want to have a good time. Uh, and we've just done, you know, more, more silly things. Uh, we did a spot where, um, we got, a silly string and, and covered the, the bad guys with silly string. Uh, and you know, the kids eat that up. Uh, but I've definitely been at other ones where the kids are, are, uh, just shouting, um, and tearing it, tearing everything down, you know, this guy's stupid. He's not John Cena. Like, what did you think you were going to get for your birthday? Kid? <laughs> uh, you know, just yelling out moves, you know, <laughs> doing F five, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Oh um, so those ones, uh, you just kind of get through it maybe give the kids like one thing that they wanted to see. <laughs> I think I did a stunner and that popped the kids more than any other thing I did in the entire match. So, uh, but yeah, those ones are a little bit more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's kind of like, we haven't had to do one of those in a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's kind of like, uh, like a crash course and like trying to get the crowd on your side though. It's kind of like, What's like the what's like one of the hardest yeah. situations to do it? And you're like, well, this is it. Do it now. Go ahead, guy. That's pretty good training. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and I think that's been a really helpful thing that Santino Brothers has done. They they usually book a, a lot of the the newer guys to to do those sorts of things because it is uh, a good chance to kind of practice your craft in front of a in front of a crowd without it being you know videotaped or anything that goes on youtube have you had it anywhere you got there and you're like the parents are worse at this party than the kids because i i used to teach guitar to children and there's been plenty of times when the adults were way worse than the kids so has that been you know have you found that at all at any time when that happened I wouldn't say at birthday parties. I would say at some quote unquote family oriented wrestling shows that I've been to, uh, where it's, you know, people bring their kids. It's supposed to be for the kids. Uh, but then you've got these guys or even the kids' parents themselves that are like being very belligerent and, uh, sometimes inappropriate, and, or or trying to be like smart marky um and it's really unfortunate because it kind of ruins the show for not only everybody else there but you know for the kids which you know that show is supposed to be for yeah but you, you know you and i know we've been following wrestling for a long time um you know dick wrestling fans aren't exactly uh rare <laughs> there's quite a few uh <laughs> you know <laughs> All right, brother. It's about that time. Uh, the booker has run out. Sure. He's yelling to take it home. Uh, the crowd is confused because they don't know what that means, but that's what he's yelling. So I have some questions for you here. Uh, feel free to digress, of course. There's no you know, hard, and fat, hard rules to this. It's just feel free to answer however you like. Um, sure. If not wrestling, what would you do creatively? Creatively? Hmm. Uh, I, would probably, I would probably write. Um, whether that would be books or, or, or scripts, um, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, if I couldn't, 
if I couldn't be involved in wrestling at any capacity, I, I would probably write. What is your favorite move or hold that you do not use? Oh, that I don't use. That's interesting. Probably the Navarro clutch. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I just, uh, I don't think I have the strength for it. Uh, it involves kind of wrapping the, the fella up and then pulling him up off the ground. Um, and uh, so that basically you're, you're holding up their entire body weight while stretching them. Uh, I have not had the capacity to do that, but it's a very cool move. <laughs> All right. So on the agenda, we're going to be booking Marco stunt against you so that you can do that immediately and have fun with it. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is the craziest fan interaction you've had? I, I think I've been lucky enough to avoid most. It's not really coming to me at the moment if I have, uh, but no, I think I've, I've been, lucky enough to avoid most crazy fans. I think when I used to make the mistake of, I, I, I don't know why I did this in my first year, but I wore a cape to the ring and every once in a while, somebody from the crowd would just like grab it while mm. I was kind of doing, you know, I've always done the thing where I run around giving everybody high fives. But when I was a weirdo and thought wearing a cape would be funny, uh, people used to, to grab that and, and sometimes I'd end up kind of falling on my butt. <laughs> oh yeah, that's no fun. Besides hurting you, what's the worst thing uh, someone can do in the ring when you're working with them? I think the worst thing that they could do is just be be difficult, whether that's, uh, you know, um, refusing to, to, to work with me or... Um, you know, maybe, maybe talking too, too much. Um, a pet peeve of mine is, is, uh, people trying to tell me what to do when I'm chain wrestling. And that's, I, maybe it's just the way I was uh, taught, but I just kind of go with the flow on that. And I like to do my own thing. You do your own thing and let's, you know, let's wrestle together. Um, I, I don't like being being told when I'm working with someone to uh, to put them in, in certain holds. Yeah, it seems weird to be calling everything all the way down to a wrist lock. I feel like that's 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 a bit yeah, much. Exactly. Yeah, that's not that's not something I'm down for. You know, I like things to be a little bit more organic than that. Can you think of a time when you were legitimately surprised by a, another worker in the ring? No, I mean I don't really under underestimate or overestimate anybody um how about if they were to say do something on the fly try to make you laugh anything like that where you're like okay i did not see this oh, coming okay <laughs> see usually i'm the i'm the person that makes other people laugh when we're in the ring or, or try not to laugh um there was a point in uh one of my matches with uh eric watts um, where he, um, he was beating me up and I saw somebody's, uh, sunglasses from a previous sit segment were still in the ring. And for whatever reason, I picked them up and I put them on and then he, he stopped for a moment, looked at me and grabbed my goggles from the side of the ring and he put them on and we had like a stare down before we started striking. Um, and it was right there that I was like, 
this is the best guy to work because, because he's just, he's just rolling with the punches and being as big and scary as he is. He he'll be goofy in a, in a second. So that, that definitely, that actually did surprise me. Um, yeah. That match. I love what sweet guy. <laughs> very, yes. very nice guy. I, I remember I, I, I met him at a bumps and bruises show. Uh, down in LA where they it's inside like a brewery uh, the wrestling show and then randomly I was in Chicago for Star Wars Celebration and I just see you know this giant dude walking by and I'm like I know that guy (laughs) and and then I saw I talked to him at Star Wars Celebration I was like oh okay here we go oh that's fantastic yeah very nice guy Uh, yeah I've had a multitude of matches with him I'd, I'd say he's my my favorite opponent for sure has a booker tried to stiff you on money? Yeah, yeah, that's happened a few times, and I, I won't, I won't say who. Um, but uh, I've, I've gone to a couple of places. There was one instance where uh, someone was supposed to pay me money. They said that they didn't have it at the time, but they'd get me next week. Next week rolled around, they didn't get me. Uh, another week rolled ar- around. They still didn't get me. Um, and, you know, I, I always try to remain, uh, uh, easy, uh, you know, an easygoing person and understanding. But uh, eventually it's like, hey, you know, this is kind of very uncool. Um, that same promoter then tried to book me for another show further down the line, uh, <laughs> to which I said, hey, you still owe me for the last show. Um, he said, okay, I'll pay you, uh, I'll pay you double, um, to come to this one. Uh, I, I went and I wrestled that show and, uh, he then tried to give me the same, Hey, I didn't make that much money tonight. I can only give you half. And I, I, that's when I, I, I stood my ground and, and said, no, this is what we agree on agreed on you need to pay me now um i didn't threaten him or anything i'm not that kind of guy um but uh yeah that was probably the most unfortunate uh instance of that happening i had that talk on here with uh scott lost and we were talking about like how prevalent that is in indie wrestling and how like it's shocking how everyone just kind of accepts it and just like well it happens so what are you gonna do and he's like and he talks about because he's a comic book artist now and he's like, you know, mm-hmm. when I do a commission, you pay me half up front. And he's like, and that's how wrestling should be. Yeah. It is. Yeah, that's something that we need to fix in wrestling. Honestly, I don't know how we go about doing that. But um, especially like new guys coming up, uh, you know, promotions will cer- certain places or especially like new fledgling promotions will uh sometimes uh kind of take advantage of newer guys because they want to wrestle um and you know they they uh try to give them uh you know we 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 joke about it but it's kind of true the hot dog and a handshake for pay yeah (laughs) yeah and it's just uh you know i'll do anything for for my school you know uh and i think that that's a great i think santinos is uh great at um helping guys to to get those chances to practice working in front of a crowd i do think that's important when you're first coming up but uh if you're 
hiring someone from outside that you had nothing to do with their training and they're putting their body at risk for you, they deserve a little bit of compensation for that. Yeah. There's a big difference between, you know, you hire an experienced guy and he's like, Hey, since you're booking me, you think you could grow, you think you could throw a couple of my students on an opening match. Like there's a difference between that and, you know, yes. booking someone and then not paying, <laughs> you know, that's a massive difference, mm-hmm. but indie wrestling, man, indie wrestling. <laughs> it's a wild world. Yeah. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully things will change. What's the, they seem to be. Yeah. What's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show, whether it be like backstage, you know, in the ring, any, anything like that? I would say it was probably, uh, again, to put over wrestling, pro wrestling. There's been so many moments where um, a lot of the times after I finish wrestling, and luckily, usually I'm like one of the first matches of the night whenever I would work there. Um, and I would get to kind of like, uh, you know, hang out either uh, kind of by the uh, bar area or by the merch area and just watch the rest of the show. And, uh, but there was one instance, uh, and, uh, the show is, is on YouTube. It's called, uh, Kumite, even though that's blood sport, um, where they kind of do the bit from, um, kickboxer. Uh, I know this is kind of confusing, uh, but we had a a long running feud between two characters, um, sexy Chino and King Desi. Um, that ran for about three years that this feud went on with all these weird story arcs. Um, this, like Hogan this Andre. was going to be their final, their final battle. Um, and uh, they set up the, the, um, the resin for them to, and the rope, they wrapped their hands in rope and dipped it in the, the resin and they dipped it in the broken glass. This big, long, like 20 minutes, like ceremonies, part for the main event of this big feud um sexy chino punches desi once in the face and he goes i quit and that's <laughs> the end of the match and i laughed so hard because that's how their feud ends their three-year feud ends with one punch to the face <laughs> that is that is the greatest three-year-long joke like <laughs> that, is, that is so good that is so yeah. good Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. When you work, you know, you work up a lot of different shows. Uh, you see a lot of different gimmicks. Uh, what's the worst gimmick you've seen? The worst gimmick. Um, I would say the worst gimmicks are the ones that you're not sure exactly what's going on. You know, dude's face is painted and he's got this weird stuff on, but he's also got like, I don't know, jean shorts or something. And like, he's carrying like a a severed head or something. And you don't know what this is supposed to be. Um, And that's not anybody in particular. I just threw a bunch of random stuff together uh, because that's the type of gimmick I'm talking about. Um, The things where, uh, yeah, it's, there's, it's just a, a mess, a composite of things. Um, <laughs> there's a funny picture and I'm going to, I'm going to put him on blast because he'll let me, um, that Tyler Bateman posted when he was, uh, first coming up where he's got like, a, a like a jacket on and like 
I think he's got paint on his face and he's carrying a candy cane. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know what this was supposed to be. <laughs> so those are, those are the kinds. He's fantastic. Don't, I'm not knocking. Uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, we all do. We all do some weird things. <laughs> I'm going to dub that uh lost and found wrestlers. Guys look like they just got their gimmick out of the lost and found box of a place. <laughs> yeah. They just got a collection of stuff. We're like, this goes together. Yeah. Uh, what do you think are, what do you think is like the most overused gear right now? I mean, for me, like, and I, I know you remember this in the two thousands, um, everyone on the indie scene was Raven. For, it seemed like for a while, everyone had jean shorts and a cut off black <laughs> yeah. t-shirt, no matter who they were, yeah. they could be great workers and they had that gimmick. And and they could be bad work workers and still have that gimmick, but everyone seemed to want to dress like Raven for some reason. What do you think right now is the most overused gimmick or like gear? Um, I mean, gear, I mean, I think we've gone back to the, uh, you know, the, um, the regular, the trunks uh, is very popular, but I think kick pads are probably the most overused thing. And I think it's, that's fine. Uh, certainly there's lots of great dudes and, um, girls and whatnot that use kick pads. My only, um, uh, thing against kick pads would be, uh, those who wear them and don't throw kicks. They, <laughs> they're just wearing them cause they look cool or whatever. And they do look cool, but, uh, there's enough, there's enough. Yeah. On, on the scene and i mean if you're throwing kicks awesome wear the kick pads get the coolest looking kick pads out there but like myself i don't throw a single kick other than a drop kick i you'll never see me wearing kick pads yeah it's like you know jericho stopped wearing kick pads when he stopped throwing kicks i mean like why why are you <laughs> yeah it's yeah well, what are the what are the point of the kick pads yeah, unless you're <laughs> unless you're gonna go play some soccer after the event, I don't I don't want to see you wearing those unless you're actually unless you're actually throwing kicks in the ring, like please. But yeah, they're, the, they're to hide the fact that you don't want to wear boots. Oh, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Boots are expensive, man. They are expensive. Let me put on these. Let me put on these uh, Asics real quick. Anyway. <laughs> Worked for Takamichinoku, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I remember for the longest time, uh, Frankie Kazarian, because he would come up to Northern California regularly, and for the longest time, he had, like, custom Nikes he would wear. He would wear, like, custom okay. Nikes with, with FK on them, like, his initials, and then he would wear, like, his kick pads, okay. and they would be over, like, his, his custom Nikes. And I was like... So strange. Custom Nikes. <laughs> yeah, why did he get the custom Nikes if he's going to cover him up? Yeah, it was just it was just strange, <laughs> but you know, another great wrestler, but one decision I was like, this is a little strange. But yeah. yeah. Um now you don't need to name any names here. Uh but you know, when you're working indie shows, sometimes you get people from past and present days, glory days of wrestling, guys who wrestled in ECW, WCW, WWE, WWF, blah blah blah. blah. Uh, any of them ever act like they're too big for the show and maybe just a little, they rub you the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, I would say that. Um, there's been some, uh, I mean, I, I would say I'd have, I've had mostly good experiences with people in wrestling, but you know, every once in a while, there'll be that, that one that, that 
is a little too big for their britches. Um, you know, I, I know I was, uh, working, um, you know, as a trainee, but just working as a security guard for a show. Um, and I was just hanging out before the show and someone that was ex WWE. Um, but like, I don't know, seven or eight years before this interaction and just comes up to me and says, go get me a water. And, uh, I just, he just walked away after that and I did not get him a water. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, that's, that's how I pretty much handle that situation. Most of the time though, I, I don't, really find that that's the, that's the one that stands out to me and that was gosh like six or seven years ago so <laughs> yeah i mean you know you could say like hey man do you mind do you think you could go grab me that like you know what i mean something but yeah you don't need to <laughs> be an ass about it yeah i'll gladly get somebody something if they ask nicely yeah but you don't ask nicely then you know yeah. you must be talking to somebody else yeah <laughs> And uh, that guy died of thirst that very night. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I call this the uh, the touchy feely question. Uh, it is your pure joy in wrestling, whether it be something that happens before, during, or after the match that gives you goosies, gives you the goosebumps. You're, it happens, and when it does, you're like in your head, you're like, I fucking love wrestling. This is why I love wrestling. Sure. Oh man, there's so many things um, <laughs> that I love about wrestling. But uh, I would say it's whenever someone reaches out to me, um, you know, and tells them, you know, that they can relate or that I've inspired them. Um, There was one time where I had posted something about, uh, you know, things that uh, bullies have done done to me. And uh, a lot of people resonated with that um, and shared a lot of their own stories and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, I've had, uh, kids send me messages saying that, uh, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna study hard in school and that they're gonna, that they did all their homework that day and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff, uh, that, that really resonates with me. Just making that kind of connection with, with anybody is, is unbelievable. Fantastic. I love hearing that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. I thank you for being on the podcast. You've been amazing. Uh, you know, technical difficulties aside, this is a great, uh, great <laughs> talk. This is a great talk. I really, loved, you, I really loved hearing from you. Uh, but please put yourself over. Where can people find you? Uh, what matches should people look up if they're not familiar with your work? Give, you know, put yourself over hard, brother. Let's do this. Sure, man. Uh, you can catch me on uh, Facebook, Darwin Finch, obviously. Um, you can uh, Twitter, I'm um, at Dardar. Dardar Finch. Sorry, I almost said Binks. Uh, <laughs> uh, on Instagram, it's at Punk Rock Poindexter. Um, uh, yeah, check out uh, YouTube. Check out my video on the Wrestling Pro Wrestling uh, site uh, called The Nutty Pro Wrestler. Um, there's going to be more videos like that coming out that I'm working on. Um, for matches, any match I've ever had with Eric Watts, for sure. Um, uh, my match with, uh, Dark Sheik, you can find on there, um, from last year, uh, uh, Eli Everfly, um, my matches for Santino's Up All Night, um, 
I would check out my match with uh, Alonzo Alvarez, um, my match with Jesse James, um, and a really fun one is my uh, triple threat with um, Heather Monroe and Dom Kubrick, just to name a few. From the punk rock Poindexter himself and Paul Ponte, I thank you for joining us here at the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. Thanks a lot, man. It's been great.